Help I Got a Mac, podcast episode number 42. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Help I Got a Mac. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. I'm Chris Biting. And this is a podcast devoted to the brand new Mac user. Yep. Or or even those, those users. Who, <laughs> I'm like, where's Chris at? Come on, man. <laughs> or, or those users who, uh, you know, they've been Mac users for a while but need a little refresher course, you know. We, yes. we don't exclude those people either. Exactly. Or it's a show for those people who have not yet even purchased the Mac, but are certainly thinking about it. In fact, we even have a call from one of those folks today, which that's exactly what this show depends on. Uh, The support of our audience, our community out there, your questions is really what drives the content of this show. And so, of course, you can always send in emails at feedback at gspn.tv. You can also go to the forum. We have a section for this show over at gspn.tv slash forum. And, of course, you can always call in, and it's the preferred method because, of course, then you don't have to just listen to us rant and rave and go on and on and on for about a 45-minute show. And uh, the best way to do that is call area code 859-795-4067. And we'll probably say that number again at the end of the show just in case you missed it. So you got plenty of time to go out and get your pens or pencils and a piece of paper. <laughs> Chris, people still me, use paper? I, I, You know what? I think that I think some people do. I believe I don't it. use paper. You don't I use mean, uh, none. Well, you know, no, I take that back. I I carry around with me at work one of those little uh, little notebooks. You know, those like those five star high school journals. Yeah, yeah. And and I use those because it's a lot cheaper than buying like a moleskin. Gotcha. So so anyway, Chris, I hear there's this huge gigantic news story that's just like <laughs> flashed throughout the entire Apple sphere. About somebody getting I, an iPhone replacement? Yeah, no, I, I still have my, I still have a, a four gig. I don't have a three G. I don't want anybody to think I went out and did oh, something crazy. Okay, I didn't do anything crazy like that. No, um, I've I've been noticing for like the past month that on on my screen, it's like I have noticed a white spot up in the corner, and I decided finally, I finally decided to take it to the Apple store just to see what they would say about it. And the one guy said he thinks it was overheating, and that's like a, a heat spot, like a burn in. So uh, they replaced my iPhone because I have Apple Care on it. That is cool. So when they replaced your iPhone, they they still had some four gig models of the iPhone available. Oh yeah, he just reached underneath the bar, grabbed one in a brand new in a box, and well, now it was a re- it, it could it be refurbished, refurbished or, uh, but you know what it. It's in a brand new case, no scratches, no nothing on it. It looks brand new to me. Well, so, that, I mean, that's, that, that's how it is with all their refurbished products. Yeah, absolutely. So it's fine with me. I, I could care less if it's refurbished or not. Gotcha. So you got yourself a brand new. Okay, see, I thought the replacement was that, oh, dude, we, we got to replace this. And, well, of course, you know we don't do the old one anymore. Here's a new 3G phone. Shoot. No, they wouldn't do that. Oh, man. If anything, I would have probably gotten an 8 gig old phone, which I would have taken also. That would have been sweet. I told All you, right. man, I'm still, not, I'm still not like, you know, I'm not jonesing for the 3G right now. No, that's cool. I mean, in fact, I find, well, no, actually, I, I still use it quite often. I, I, <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, maybe I don't. But no, I seriously do. Uh, matter of fact, Stephanie has found out about Pandora and Last FM now, and so she's really digging that. And, uh, you know what? There, I, I'm finding myself doing a lot more of the internet interactive things on my iPhone more than I ever have before. Browsing websites on the iPhone, stuff I I, I had the ability to do before, but I didn't do because I was yeah. so slow. But uh, I tell you, the 3G is pretty quick. I'm not knocking Edge though, man, because I can listen to Pandora over Edge and it sounds just fine. Yeah, I, no, no, no. I'm not completely knocking it. I just, I'm just saying, you know, I, I think there are some benefits. I mean, obviously, it's it's there's an increased cost of ten bucks a month on the thing. So I mean, it, you know, it's, you know, of course, folks like you who stay with the with the old original one, they can afford to become Plus members. So that's good stuff. 
There you go, at gspn.tv slash plus. Exactly. But we'll talk about that later. Let's go ahead and talk about what else is going on. What's I, I have never heard of Google Chrome, and I see something about it in your show notes here. Yeah, if uh, it Twitter kind of blew up today over the announcement of this uh, rumored web browser that's coming out from Google called Google Chrome. Uh, and why it's kind of important to the Mac community is it's running WebKit, which is the same... Uh, browser engine that Safari is based off of. And uh, right now it looks like it'll be out for Windows on Tuesday or tomorrow. Uh, no word on when the Mac or Linux versions are coming out, but it's got a new uh, JavaScript engine, so it's faster doing those web app kind of things. Uh, it handles tabs a little bit different than, than like Safari. And uh, it's got an opera speed dial with thumbnails of your most viewed websites and stuff like that. And uh, the web apps like Google Docs and uh, things like that, can be launched in their own window with or without an address or toolbar, so you, they, they look more like an application. So that's all we know so far. Uh, we'll probably find out a lot more about it on uh, Tuesday. So Google, so a Google web browser. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, writ, written from the ground up. I don't know. I it, it, To me... I almost I, I I tell you it it's for me it's it's kind of like a a catch twenty two I I love the fact the idea of bringing in more competition into the space uh, which of course I think spurs on innovation and people have to kind of make new inroads to kind of you know to be the browser to use and and part of me says you know what as a as a guy who kind of uh, develops and manipulates and and designs websites for clients. I'll tell you, it's already a pain in the rear end to get the thing to work in the the previous version of IE, in the new version of IE, and in each of the versions of Firefox and in Safari. And now all of a sudden we're going to have to test this thing on a whole nother browser, like you said, built from the ground up. Which, you know, I'm, the only thing I can say about it is is perhaps, and again, again, this is the first time I've heard about it, so this is right off the top of my head. But the only thing I could think of is at least they would probably go with web standards. Uh, yeah, if it's, if it's rendering the pages using WebKit, anything that works with Safari as far as the look and feel should be the same with Google Chrome. Well, you know, from what I understand, there are some sites that still don't work with Safari. Yeah. Well, the the you you can actually download like the the next version of Safari, which is called if you go to webkit.org, mm-hmm. and webkit.org right now their browser that they're not the nightly build they're do, that they're doing right now is the only one that passes. It's called an Acid three test, mm-hmm. which is cascading style sheets. It's basically the the kind of the advanced features now on on standards compliance for for rendering websites, and it's the only one that gets a hundred percent. Gotcha. So now, what about this? I'm optimistic about it. What's this thing called privacy mode on Safari? No, on, you, you, under Google Chrome, you've got you've got everything we've talked about so far. But I didn't hear you mention this privacy mode, and you've got oh, that pri- listed. Privacy mode is uh, a lot like what uh, Firefox has, which is you know clear private data, and what Safari has, which is uh, private browsing, and what IE8 is touting as a new feature, which is called private mode. And all it means is while you're surfing the web, let's say you're using a computer at like a, a uh, internet cafe or, or a computer lab or something like that. If you turn on private browsing and go to like a banking site or something, all the, uh, all the browsing and, and stuff that you do on your browser is going to be gone as soon as you close the window. Gotcha. But that's not going to keep them from tracking your history and stuff like that on all the things you search on Google though. Um, no, like if you log into something, all that stuff's there, but yeah, but someone can't come in and sit at your desk behind you after you're done and find out what you were doing. Unless you accidentally stayed logged into Google. Well, even when, even on private browsing, when you close that, it's still, oh, it kills the cookies. Exactly. Cookies aren't even saved. Oh, well that's good, I guess. And for those who are wondering what we're talking about cookies, I I had cookies tonight, but cookies are, are little, little bits of information that are dropped on your computer from websites Basically, what it's doing is is like storing preferences. Gotcha. So, hey, Chris, what is Enigma, and why should I care? <laughs> Enigma is a really really cool iPhone game that I downloaded. Okay. Uh, and what it does is you get these droplets, like red droplets. Oh, is that the water game? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh, man, it's so good. Normally it's ten bucks, but until for the whole weekend it's been on sale, and it's it's done being on sale to, uh, at the end of, at the end of the night tonight. Uh, I'm recording this on Monday, September first, and um, it's on sale until the second, and it's forty percent off, so it's like six bucks, and uh, it's awesome. I mean, and for anybody who's listening to this, obviously after the fact, uh, by all means, of course, I don't have it. Uh, I have not. There's been other things that I've been paying for for on the iPhone and stuff like that, but uh, this isn't one of them. But I've certainly seen it, and I've played um, with a demo version of it on somebody else's, or not a demo version, but a, a version of it on somebody else's phone. It is really cool, and it, it certainly uh, seems that even if it's not forty percent off, it's still worth ten bucks you'd pay for it. Well, here's here's the great thing about it. You know, it comes with 50, 50 levels, and they're hard. But the new update they had, I think it's like one point two or something. They have user generated levels you can download for free, and really? those 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 yeah, those user packs are like fifty levels each. So there's like how much you know, does that cost? Anything? No, it's free. How do you get those on your iPhone? It's through the application. It says download, and it shows like little pat like map packs. Really? Now yeah, see so that I like. We have like. Yeah, you instantly have like 500 levels. You know, Labyrinth, the board game for the iPhone, is uh, they they've started talking about user generated levels. Oh, it's awesome! It see it now makes, that changes things. Yeah, it, it you know it increases the uh, the life cycle of the product. I think it's awesome. Absolutely, very cool. So uh, there are, uh, more news. You've got tons of stuff in here. Uh, there's Sorry. a rumor: a- Apple and ATT doing what together? Working on a tethering deal for the iPhone, and what that means is AT&T and Apple are going to give their blessing to allow you to use your iPhone as a data conduit for your laptop. So if you're out somewhere and you have your 3G iPhone, it'll capture the data for you and put it on your laptop. A lot like the program, uh, what was that called? NetShare? NetShare, which I've still used every every now and then. Yeah. Uh, the issue AT&T had with it is... is if you have a BlackBerry or other smartphones, they normally charge you an additional, get this cliff, an additional $30 a month to tether your phone to your computer. Right. And that NetShare application is what, $10 and that was it? Yeah, it was that done. was it, yep. Yeah, at and is not getting their money and they want to get your money. So they're working on a tethering deal for the iPhone. That's all I've got now on it. I don't have any prices or details or anything like that. Chef Mark says, "Does that illegal th- tethering program work? Uh, will work well for you? Uh, it works perfect for me. The other day, um, the electric went out in the house here for about an hour, and I had no access to the internet other than to my iPhone. And by golly, I tethered it to my net chair, and and I was browsing at broadband speeds. In fact, I did a. Somebody asked me how much speed was I getting or whatever. I was getting." Um, about 380k up, I believe, and about 1.2 megs down. Wow, really? Yeah. So it was. You could have ran Skype. <laughs> uh, I, I'm telling you, it was it was blazing fast. I was able to stream um, video, flash video, and and everything. It was it, it's it's really cool. And it, it, like I said, it, I wouldn't have had it. And as far as it being illegal, as far as I'm concerned, I purchased it, and by golly, it went through the Apple. Uh, approval process somehow and since i paid for it and i pay for data by golly i'm good to go that's sweet that's the way i feel about it (laughs) i mean i'm already paying them much more money than i actually end up ever using on my iphone anyway so yeah yeah that's the way of course i don't i don't use it all the time but uh it's nice it is definitely nice to have it's a little quirky sometimes to get it to work but uh it, it once you get it up and running it's good to go Cool. All right. So, hey, um, this is a little bit old, but we have a listener out there. His name is Tim Cormall, uh, and he sent us something about 11 days ago. I forgot to bring it up the last time we did our show. So, uh, iPhone 3G owner sues Apple over dropped calls and slow speeds. Have you heard about this? Uh, yeah, I have, actually. And like uh, cl- They're trying to get like a class action lawsuit going on. That's what they're trying to do. Um, the, th- the big thing here is that... Um, I, I mean, come on. I mean, I guess maybe you can be completely clueless of of you know everything that's going on out in the world. But I mean, it's there's no guarantee that this stuff's available everywhere. 
Um, there, there are two kind of two sides to what they're doing here. Number one, they're arguing against the fact that Apple's website is still using the headline twice as fast at for half the price. Um, and I can understand, you know, that being a, a bone of contention, if you will, for folks who live in areas where there is absolutely no 3G coverage. But even yeah, the, still, there's the, got to be some small print. Those those advertisers and 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 PR firms they don't they don't promise something like that without putting some small print in there. Yeah, the UK actually had Apple uh, remove those that that tagline from all their advertising because they have some different laws on on advertising and and stuff like that. So you can't ha- you can't say you know twice as fast half the price. Gotcha. So, and then of course there is talk about the defective iPhone 3G and stuff like that. And this is old news. I've been hearing about this on other podcasts. Uh, they did do some, uh, a, a software update that was supposed to improve some connectivity. From what I understand, there are still some units out there where the 3G is just not connecting right, and it's not a it's not a broad problem all the way through. But there are some phones out there that are just having more connection issues than they should, and um, as far as I'm concerned, I mean, if that's the case, all you have to do is take it into your Apple store and they'll replace it, right? Yeah, they I should mean, replace it just fine. I, the, the, I guess the only thing I can see getting upset at is if I was told that I was going to get, if I've got a current iPhone and I upgrade to this new one and I, I've been told it's going to be twice as fast at, and, and half the price, well then, you know, if I never get a 3G signal, I could see being upset and of course, I doubt that they'll roll you back on your price plan or roll you back to the old phone or whatever. So I, I could see that being a little frustrating. But uh, you know, this whole class action stuff—I mean, in the end, I, even if they say, you know, hey, we're really sorry, and and they make Apple replace people's iPhones and stuff like that, it, I mean, the best that you're going to get is maybe a check for five bucks or something. Yeah, I don't know, and and it's yeah, just, the only person who wins in a class action lawsuit is the lawyer. Exactly, and so as far as I'm concerned, the lawyer is not working on behalf of this lady who's upset. He's working on behalf of himself. So, anyway, as Leo Laporte says, I don't even think it, it it's worth bringing up as a news story because it just kind of fuels and lets people know it's out there and blah blah blah. But you know, hey, it it is it is news and it's out there, and I figured we'd we'd bring it up. Even, Absolutely. Even though we're 11 days late on it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, personal interest. This is something that's new on uh, on on our show notes. I just kind of added that this week. Uh, the I wish list uh, is still in existence. I just don't have anything for it uh, right now. But uh, the personal interest is kind of like right before. It's it's kind of like Chris. This is your space and my space. If we have comments and or suggestions or if we have questions for the for the audience out there. So it's not necessarily listener questions and feedback in it's it's kind of our own little space. So personal interest, I just want to share what I'm up to on my Mac this week and what I'm excited about about and it is Pixelmator. What do you know yeah. about Pixelmator? Uh I've used it quite a bit. Did you buy it? Uh I some of my friends at Pixelmator gave me a uh, a review copy. Oh, that's and, right. Uh, it's pretty good. It's not too bad. I it's it's, def- it's definitely not Photoshop. Well, no, it's definitely not Photoshop. Otherwise, it'd be called Photoshop. Exactly. <laughs> but so, it's 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 pretty good. How much is Photoshop CS3? Do you, I think like seven hundred dollars or something. Okay. So and 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 I can certainly see. Photoshop is necessary for people who want to do a lot of photo editing. I mean, if that's if you're a graphic artist, designer, whatever, you probably need you you probably need to spend the money to go ahead and get Photoshop. And it, Brent's saying it's seven fifty, but if you're a student, I guess you can get it for three hundred. So yeah. uh, that's not bad uh, as a student. But anyway, the thing is, is that. Obviously, I want to be able to do some stuff in, you know, manipulating some photos or some graphic works here and there. But I don't have the. I, I personally just don't want to spend the money on seven hundred fifty when I'm not when I'm not even going to touch the, scratch the surface of what that program really is designed to be used for. 
Right. At the same time, I don't want to take the route that so many people take, and that is to go out there and get a uh, illegal version of of Photoshop. And I'm telling you that it's that stuff just flies around like crazy. And so many people have, you know, the full version of Photoshop that they never paid for. And I don't, I just didn't want to do that. So here's the situation. Obviously, I've been slowly making the transition of the things that I want to use on my Mac. And as you guys know, there, there are two things that I've shared a couple months back that are still, you know, I'm very much PC centric on. One is audio editing which I still haven't had a chance to play with the uh, software Sound Studio 3 yet. But uh, the other one is image editing. Now, it's not like I've I've got anything on the PC that I'm using that's all extremely fancy or anything like that. I've been using a free version of Photo Impact version 4.2. They're probably on like version 12 or 13 now. <laughs> but because uh, I got this thing for free. It's an OEM version of 4.2 Photo Impact that came with a flatbed scanner that I got, mm, gosh, maybe <laughs> 10 years ago. So, and and of course, back then, I mean, web graphics were just barely coming out. I mean, it is, I mean, it is back when websites were still extremely ugly. And of course, there is hardly any way possible to make a uh, graphic that has a, has a transparent background. And so, you know, with the exception of doing transparent images, I've been able to kind of find a way to get that program to do what I want, you know, with the exception of transparent images. But recently, yeah. and of course, anytime I've needed a transparent image, I've always had my good friend over at uh, AG Design do it for me. But there have become more and more instances where I just want to create something really quick, really fast with a transparent image. And I'm getting to the point where I thought I might need something. So today I was looking around and found some software out there that promised to do really quick, very easy, uh, transparent backgrounds and also rounded corners, which is another thing I kind of would like to be able to do on the fly very quickly. And it looked like it was gonna be a free program. And I, I went to the website and sure enough, it was a trial version and then it says, you know, if you like it, uh, then you can purchase this thing for $29. And I'm like, wait a second. I paid some money for Pixelmator a while back, and I hardly ever use the thing. I And it, and it does these things called layers, and it, mm -hmm. has, it has all the main tools over, you know, the, the magic wand and all this other stuff. It's got a, I mean, it is a, Pixelmator is a, a very feature-rich program. It's just not, it, well, it's not Photoshop. Uh, like you said, right. I understand yeah. that, but it is very much, it, it's got everything that I would need to do. The question was, how do I do it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, so I have this program and I just don't know how to use it. So today I, I broke down and probably did about two hours worth of watching some video tutorials and some screen captures and and stuff like that. And one of the things I learned very easily uh, that I, I'm very excited about, in fact, if you go to podcastanswerman.com, in the menu section right under you know the regular navigation, the sub-navigation bar at podcastanswerman.com, I'm creating a new uh, feed there on that site called just um, uh, random tech tips. And I've got um, how to quickly remove either a white or a black background using Pixelmator. And it's got a, a little screencast that I've embedded that somebody else did. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I'm finally getting to the point where I want to probably, within the next two to three weeks, get to where my Mac is the preferred image editing uh, OS for, for my, my personal needs. Yeah. I, I've been using... Um I've been using Photoshop for a long time, and I, I used Pixelmator, but I had to go back to Photoshop just because it it's not perfect yet. But there are other options. Uh, there is a program called Acorn, mm -hmm. which is fifty dollars. It's from a company called Flying Meat Software. Okay, and it's pretty good. It's it's like Pixelmator, and then of course there's the program GIMP, which is a Photoshop like program that was on Linux for a long time, and it's it's been ported to the Mac. And uh, if you just do a search for Wilbur Loves Apple, you'll find all the binaries for GIMP for the Mac. 
all the binaries. But don't you have to kind of put that together to make it work or something? Um, they'd kind of do that for you. The only thing you need to do is install something called X11 on your Mac, and which is kind of nerdy, but they walk you through it on that site. Yeah, see, anything, see, here's the thing. I've been a Mac user now for over a year, actually a year and two months. And even today, this, but even this, every time I've ever heard somebody say, yeah, you kind of got to use X11 or whatever you just said, it, yeah. soon as, the way that people say it, just says to me, communicates to me, ah, I don't want to go there. You yeah. see, what, you, know, you know what I'm saying? It's, oh, it's yeah. like, because it sounds to me like if I just hold off, that it sounds like it's something that, quote unquote, you shouldn't have to do. And that eventually, mm-hmm. if somebody really wants to make GIMP something that is, is a viable option on the Mac, somebody's going to make it to where you can just download it and basically install that thing just like any other program. Kind of like often Open Office I, we recently heard about. Yeah. So I agree. It's it's still a little a little hacky. And and even Brent Irwin and of course Brent's a, a he's a Mac geek I would call him, uh, which I, by Mac geek I mean that in a very good way. He he even says X11 makes me angry. And see that this is somebody who who is a, a super Mac guy. I mean it, I am not. I mean if 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 there's somebody that likes Mac and loves Mac as much as Brent Irwin and X11 makes him angry, then I know for a fact as a, as a, even just the, you know, I'm a, you know, I kind of like Mac. Uh, it, it, that just says, I, I'm, I'm not willing to make that sacrifice to try to get GIMP a program that, you know, is what I hear is, is kind of hard to pick up and understand in the first place. The cool mm-hmm. thing is though, the cool thing is though, uh, with some quick searching, I was able to find some great links on people who do know how to use P- Pixelmator to make it do all the important things that I want, such as rounding corners, such as um, creating the mirror effect, such as um, uh, creating transparent images, all of those things that I'm really interested in doing, I can do with Pixelmator. And and here's the thing. I'm going to ask you a question. Chris, did you pay, did you pay for Photoshop? Uh, actually, I'm using a trial. It expires in two days, <laughs> but, but my company's buying buying it for me. Okay, cool. So, so here's the thing. At if, least I, I hope they are. If your company <laughs> wasn't p- paying for the software, would you? Do you have enough need that would lead you to the purchasing de- decision of paying for the seven hundred and fifty dollar version of Power or of Photo Photoshop? No, I didn't even have it on my computer until I started uh, working with my new job, and there was just a need for it. So. Cool. It's not something I normally have. Normally, I was just using Pixelmator for if I needed to, to, to knock out something quick. See, and and here's here's the cool thing, and and of course, it sounds to me like you have a need to get into it a little bit more, and that's why the office is gonna you know probably purchase a license for you. But here here's the deal for anybody out there that's on a tight budget, you know, you you don't want to have to give up your GSPN.TV Plus membership or anything so that you can go out and buy it. Uh, Fifty nine dollars is all Pixelmator is. And like I said, it, it it handles a lot of stuff. It, it definitely does more than my Photo Impact 4.2. But the thing is, is I got so darn used to using Photo Impact that I, it's it's really I have to make myself go over to the Mac and start learning this Pixelmator. And this is my per- personal interest on the Mac this week. Yeah, cool. absolutely cool. Anything else for you? What, what, I mean, is anything new and exciting? I mean, you've been a Mac user for how long now, Chris? Uh, eight years. Anything new excites you about your Mac? Any software? You know what? Let me look at my applications folder real quick here. All right. Um, Simplify Media, but we talked about that last week. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you got that, some good music in there. Thank you. I've thank been you. listening I've, to some of your music. I've... Uh, I've had a long time to build my collection. You know, there's really nothing right now that that's just making me go, "Oh my gosh, this is so awesome." Yeah. Well, folks, if if you're out there and you're listening, please do us a favor. Give us a phone call and let us know some of your software picks, some of the things that you're excited about. And uh, before we move any further, uh, since this is help, I got a Mac. And we said before that we oftentimes like to be here for those folks who have not yet drank the Kool-Aid and have not yet purchased that first Mac. 
and are thinking about it and they want to know they usually have some questions such as you know hey i wonder if i get a mac am i going to be able to do this or am i going to be able to do that well we've got a call from a good friend in australia her name is michaela and she has a question about a possible purchase of a mac in the very near future so well when i say very near i think it's about a year away but anyway here's michaela's call hi cliff and chris it's michaela calling from melbourne australia um, I had a quick question for you for the Help I Got a Mac podcast. I haven't really listened to that show particularly much because I'm a PC user, but my mum has said to me when I graduate my PhD next year, she was going to get me a laptop of my choice. So I, I immediately thought of getting a Mac because I do need to do some video editing for my podcast and I have a lot of trouble doing it on the PC, as Cliff knows. I've asked him for some help a few times. So what I really want to get is um, pretty much the best MacBook book I can get. And um, I'm assuming that's the MacBook Pro. Um, and I know for a little while ago you went through the pros and cons of the different laptops. So apologies if you've already covered this. As I say, I haven't really listened to the shows very much. But I was just wondering, you know, what would be the best um, laptop to get if... Um, I don't really mind how much it costs. Um, I'd like something with a pretty good big hard drive or is it possible to add more hard drive space um plenty of ram um something that's lightweight enough to be portable there's not much point getting a laptop if you can't um, carry it around and take advantage of free wi-fi and uh just generally use it um on the go so i'd just be interested to hear what you had to say thanks very much for your help bye all right michaela thank you couple of things i want to say and then i'm gonna let chris kind of tackle some of this and we'll go we'll go on from there. But uh, number one, don't feel bad about the fact that you might ask something that's been asked before because this is Help I Got a Mac. We are here for you and we're here when you need us. And so even if we covered something like this, you know, 15 episodes or eight episodes ago, we're willing to go through it again. So, Chris, first off, definitely not get a, a an actual MacBook, correct? Yes, get a Dell. I mean, uh, no, I'm <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I like my MacBook, um, but if you want the power, you know, if you just want to surf web pages and stuff and type email and, and you know, do some stuff with like iPhoto and things like that, then the MacBook is fine. The size is great. It's really easy to upgrade the hard drive if you want to do that, um, and the price isn't bad. But uh, I have a MacBook Pro also, and it's hands down light years faster. Uh, it can do more. If you run a, run other operating systems like Windows and stuff, it runs them really, really fast. So I would say you know, MacBook Pro all the way. Absolutely. In fact, I will tell you, as a person who wants to do the kind of video editing that uh, Michaela is talking about, I will tell you I am quite frustrated with the fact that I cannot run Final Express – or not Final Express, Final Cut Pro – on my MacBook, it it's slight, it, it specifically states that at in the requirements of the most recent version of Final Cut Pro that it require it, that Intel onboard uh, graphics chip will not work. It, you have to have something better than the MacBook to run Final Cut Pro if you ever decide to get that that particular video editing software. Now, as far as uh, screen size, what options do they come with on the MacBook Pro? Uh, 15 and 17. Okay, so I'm going to suggest my personal recommendation is to go with a 15-inch. Do not go to the 17. 17 is going to look nicer in video editing, but it's not going to be as portable. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's pretty big. It's pretty huge. I've, I've seen those around, and it's like carrying a desktop in a bag. So I would say definitely go with the 15-inch. And as far as um, RAM goes, I would say n make sure that you don't get anything less than 2 gig. And if you if you can afford to upgrade it to 3 gig, I think you're going to be feeling pretty good that you did if you do. Yeah, I'm fairly certain that all of them come with 2 as a base now. And I would... I Tell you what, man, I'd go four. Rams I would. Cheap. Yeah, if you can, if you can go four, go four. I I would definitely say that. And then, um, as far as the processor speed, I, I'd say any MacBook Pro. I mean, if 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 you kind of started with the the lower end price MacBook Pro, 
and whatever processor that comes with and then just throw in four you know upgrade that to four gigs of ram and then as, as far as if you go to the apple store itself you can kind of customize these machines and of course you will see that there are multiple options for hardware or hard drive space now one other thing is and of course i'm not big into video editing yet uh, and i don't know if i'll be really big into it in the future or how long it'll be before i actually get there i should say um what I hear is no matter how big your video or your hard drive is in your uh, MacBook Pro, you're eventually going to run out of space on it. And so just just understand that whatever you get, you could probably get an external FireWire drive cheaper mm-hmm. than upgrading to, a you know, like a 750 gig uh, or whatever, 500 gig internal drive. So you may want to go with whatever comes with the with the. Um, the MacBook Pro, and I understand that a lot of people, as long as you get a FireWire drive, you can actually do video editing on the external drive. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, you want to avoid doing like audio editing or video editing, anything like that with the internal drive because it, it just spins too slow. Yeah. Yep. And the, the drive fills up. If you're, if you're doing HD or just doing a lot of video, nothing chews up hard drive space faster than video. Exactly, and and I and trust me, I do. I don't do any high def or anything like that. And the very little bit of video that I do, just I'm I'm consistently having to erase projects uh, after I'm done with them. Of course, they're projects that I don't ever anticipate going back. But the thing is, is what if I do? What if one day I want to go back and fix that little typo that I did when I was processing that little video clip or whatever together? So, uh, yeah, these are things to think about. I think that that really gives you a, a fair way to go there, Michaela. I would definitely say MacBook Pro, start with the smaller uh, smaller priced one and kind of customize it with four gigs of RAM. Uh, as far as the hard drive, you may want to stick around with whatever it comes with because I'm sure it comes with at least a, what, a 60 gig hard drive these days, 30 gigs, 60 gigs, something like that. And then, Yeah, I think it's, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and then and of course, then just grab yourself a FireWire ex, uh, external drive, which uh, those those things are getting pretty cheap too. So, and you can have a couple of them. After yep. uh, you know, you fill one of those things up, and you just plug in a new one, and, and you're ready to go. So, I think that that's the way to go. All right, I agree. Let's see here. Next up, where what happened to all my notes? Ah, uh, you know why I scrolled down all the way. So that was Michaela's. Uh, Frank Gillespie from Raleigh, North Carolina, sent us an email a while back. He says, hey, here's my first question for help. I got a Mac. I have all my music CDs loaded on a MacBook, and I'm wondering how do I get 16 gigs of music and podcasts over to my iMac? Oh, and by the way, I don't have an iPod. I'm trying to avoid getting one. So Chris, what? <laughs> well, we'll address the the last statement there in just a few minutes. But uh, Chris, why don't you uh, go ahead and explain what you shared with him in an email that you sent? Sure. Yeah, I, I sent him an email just because I knew it, urgency was was important, and he didn't have time to wait for the show. Um, what he needed to do was get a FireWire cable, and you hook both Macintoshes up to each other using the FireWire cable. So you can go f- straight from one Mac computer to another Mac computer just using a cable? Right, but what you need to do is put one of the computers, preferably the one you're copying data from, okay. the source. Uh, you want to put that in what's called a FireWire disk mode. And how would you do something like that? <laughs> you reboot the computer and when you hear that chime start up, when you, when you turn it on or right after you turn it on, you hold down the T key and you hold down the T key until you see the FireWire logo pop up on the screen. And once you do that, if you go over to the other computer, you'll see its hard drive on your desktop as a FireWire drive. Wait a second. So, it, okay, so I turn the computer off. It, it, I'm actually rebooting it. And when it's starting back up and it does that post sound, that chime, I hold down the T key. And then all of a sudden it, it'll show a FireWire icon. And I haven't done anything up to the other machine yet or am I, or am I now plugging in the FireWire cable? You can keep them plugged in or plug them in after after you get the FireWire icon on the, so, on the one. So that basically they can already be connected via FireWire mm-hmm. uh, before I do the reboot. So once once the reboot is complete and the FireWire logo is up, I go over to the other MacBook and all of a sudden my old other MacBook, my source MacBook that is in T-mode or FireWire mode, 
now shows up as a hard drive? Yep. Sweet. Okay, yeah, so drag, so once he does that, drop. so once he does that, how you say drag drop? Basically, he's gonna go into, uh, he's gonna navigate to his his uh, on the MacBook. He wants to move everything to. He wants to navigate to the Finder menu, then to click on Documents, then click on the Music folder. Uh, he goes to the User folder, and then goes to the User, and then goes to the Music folder. Okay, and then do, he just drags the entire thing that says iTunes Music in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, is it gonna is it gonna erase it off the other one, or is it gonna just copy it? It's gonna copy it. Good. Okay, because I think that probably a follow up question people would want to know. So, so, and and now to basically, I guess once he's done, he just reboots the system again, lets it load, mm-hmm. and it's Absolutely. good to go. Sweet. Good to go. That's pretty cool. Pretty easy, my friend. Very nifty. I'll tell you what, I like these Mac things, you know it? <laughs> they do make it pretty easy to hook them up to each other. All right. And, so, some, and someone, and Brent in our chat room said, you know, why didn't you use Ethernet? Well, you have to set up file sharing and, and stuff like that. And I frankly think it's it's faster to, to hook them up via FireWire to each other than to go over Ethernet. That's a good point. All right, so here's, here's a uh, question from, or not question, but some feedback from Eric Fisher. And I want to tell you, this is some awesome feedback. So let's let's listen to what he has to say. Hey, Cliff and Chris, this is Eric Fisher. I uh, knew I wasn't going to be able to start coming to the live shows just yet, but I had a Mac app that I thought I really needed to share with everybody. It's called X Slimmer or Ten Slimmer if you're OS ten. Anyway, it's xslimmer.com. And essentially what this does is it goes through all the apps on your Mac and it goes through and says, okay, which type of Mac are you running? The Intel-based or the uh, previous, the Power PC version? And it looks at all your apps that are universal binaries and it says, okay, you're running an Intel-based Mac, so all the universal binary information that is unnecessary and not needed to run on your Intel-based Mac, it will strip that out. Not only freeing up disk space, which I know has been an issue as of late, but also uh, processing speed because then that app does not need to go through all that unnecessary, unneeded code to get it to start up. And secondly, to run the program while you're running it. I have tried this. I have seen at least a few gigs disappear, which is nice, if not more, and I run it every, you know, couple weeks if I've added new apps in or whatever, and I've seen a great boost in performance and speed on not just starting up my apps, but uh, while they're running, as well as, you know, freeing up hard drive space, that precious hard drive space. So it does cost money. It is $12.95, but I can say that it is definitely worth it. I have tried it. I really think it's one of the best apps I've seen out there because it really just boosts all those other apps that you have. So that's app one. App two is called Typecast. And what it does essentially is if you're like me, you'll be surfing the internet and you'll find either a podcast or a, a random audio file or whatever that you don't want to just go go ahead and subscribe to the whole podcast just for one interview with so-and-so that you like, or it's not a podcast and it's just one random audio file interview or something like that. Well, what you do, you download that audio file or that single audio file out of that whole podcast. You open up this app, which is a free app, Typecast, and you throw that audio file in there and it automatically creates a new podcast entry in your iTunes podcast directory, throws the file there, and it's sitting there ready to just be thrown down onto your iPod, iPhone, what have you, as a podcast, a faux podcast, making it really easy to listen to. So it's sort of like grabbing a random audio file off the internet and being able to throw it down on your iPod or whatever as an audio book nice and easy. It is, I've used it about three or four times in the past couple weeks with great success. It is awesome to be able to not have to like open up that audio file or just to listen on like desktop PC at work or uh, MacBook at home, but to be able to actually throw it down on the iPod without, you know, convert this, move it here, move it into iTunes and all that. This thing does it in a quick one-step fashion and it's awesome. So I have put 
both those links in the email that I sent with this audio file and have a good show. Thanks. Dude, thank you, Eric. I'll tell you what really rocks about that is not only does he come with some great application reviews, but he also follows it up with the email and provides the links. That, Absolutely. That, that is sweet. Awesome. So basically, uh, for anybody who's listening via podcast, it's xslimmer.com, uh, the letter X and then slimmer.com. And the other one is called uh, Typecast, which is red-sweater.com slash typecast all right now i've used x slimmer myself and Uh you know it's cool and all i'm just it it does make me nervous that it does it does kind of you know strip that out of your universal binary um i would just say you know and stress that you know you are you are making some very significant changes to your software on your computer so be careful when you use that. Yeah, I, I guess I see where you're coming from. And most, but really what it's talking about is doing this for, so are the standard applications like uh, GarageBand, are those universal binary? Mm, no, I mean, things like the, all the loops and stuff aren't, no. Okay, what, what I'm, no, what I'm talking about, because it really, Xlimmer, it's only going to be doing that to really software you've kind of downloaded, right? Uh, I believe so, yeah. And and also, I'm, I'm of course, just assuming here. Uh, of course, we know what happens there. But anyway, um, I would assume that you have the ability to choose which programs and which programs you don't want to uh, strip the, you know, the PowerPC version of all the software. I, if, yeah. if, if I'm not mistaken, just so people know, there basically what happens is there's a lot of software made for the Mac uh, operating system. And depending, you know, it has to be rewritten in certain code depending on whether or not you have an Intel-based processor or what Mac and Apple users used to have, which are PowerPC chips. And a lot of programs today, when you download them, they are written to work on either one or the other, but they actually have all the information to run that program in the PowerPC version, but they also have the entire program in the Intel chip version, and they kind of package it together in one file, um, which is a disk image. And when you install it, you actually have both the PC PowerPC version and the Intel version on your hard drive. And so what this what he's saying here is this: this program can help slim down how much space is taken up by all your applications by stripping out some of the data that you don't need because you don't have a power pc chip is that right am i understanding that right you are and i i would say if as long as it allows you to do that selectively i would only do that on software maybe that's kind of like third party you know stuff like adium and and stuff like that anything that's like that you've paid lots of money for maybe you might be a little bit more cautious in and what you're stripping out Mm-hmm. So anyway, alrighty, uh, time to just say that this podcast is sponsored by the wonderful people who call themselves GSPN.TV Plus members. Uh, one of the things we do every week is record this podcast and bring you the answers to all the questions that you have, and we love doing this. And I would just like to let everybody know, if you haven't heard already, this is what I do for a living, and one of the ways that I get paid is by... Uh, gspn.tv plus membership. Now, I'm not going to go into great detail all about it. In fact, if you want to, you can just go over to gspn.tv slash plus, and there's more information about there. So anyway, let's move on to Sabrina from Germany. Do you want to read what she wrote in her email to us, Chris? Sure. Uh, Hello, Cliff. This is the first time I write to you. However, I'm listening to many of your podcasts for quite some time. Uh, I just listened to the latest Help I Got a Mac episode, and I heard about your problem about watching a full a movie full screen on your display. I use my MacBook as a desktop, almost the same way you described, and this is how you're able to make a QuickTime movie full screen on a secondary display. Uh, hook up the secondary display, launch QuickTime, and open the Preferences section. In the Full Screen tab, simply drag the QuickTime logo to the screen you want to be able to do full screen. Exactly. And that is it. Yes. I'll tell you, Sabrina, 
thank you so much. You may, a lot of people may think that this means, you know, what's the big deal, whether or not you watch it on this little, on the MacBook screen or whether or not you watch it on the, on the big display on your, on your desk. Well, obviously if it's full screen and it looks beautiful and, you know, pretty much delivers high def quality content, uh, I'd rather see it on the bigger screen, honestly. And so um, tonight, Megan and I did finally we recorded episode 15 of the Hannah Montana Fan Podcast. And before we did, we watched the most, uh, we watched an episode of the Hannah Montana Fan Podcast. And because I was able to now drag that little quick time to play full screen mode on my external monitor, we were able to watch it on the big screen here in the studio. And it really did look nice and uh, made it for a more enjoyable experience. And so we're very thankful for that tip. And Sabrina, we're glad that you're listening there in Germany. Awesome. All righty. Well, that's everything for this week's show. I don't have anything else to you. I do not. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. We are definitely in need of more of your questions, your comments, your software picks. What's exciting you about the Mac? Um, any news and rumors that you hear about? We want to hear about it. The best way, of course, you can always email us, feedback at gspn.tv. You can always go to gspn.tv slash forum, and you can go to the Help I Got a Mac section and get lots of help from people, very wonderful people who are always willing to answer as many questions as you could possibly have about the Mac. Ask them there. You'll get answers quicker, even if you don't want to wait until next Monday for us to record and release another episode of the Help I Got a Mac show. However... This show won't go on unless we have more feedback and get it coming in. And this week was an awesome show for feedback. Thank you for the software reviews. Michaela, thank you for the question. And I'll tell you what, I think we actually even have Alaska Brad with a call that just wants to point out the importance of our forms. So let me go ahead and just play this one real quick. Cliff and Chris, Alaska Brad calling in for help. I got a Mac. I want to thank Grande from the bottom of my heart for finding that drop-down menu in Handbrake. That's awesome. Now I can start archiving a lot of my lost season DVDs and have episodes on the go. I just recently picked up a 160 uh, iPod Classic, which actually is 40 more gigs than my laptop, so that's why I'm searching for a laptop hard drive so I can back up these shows and have them on my iPod. Thank you so much, Grande. And this also tells me that I need to get into the forums a little more often than I do instead of depending on just calling in. So word of the wise, check the forums, guys. I'm going to start doing it. You should too. (laughs) (laughs) And this was a public service announcement by our good friend Brad from Alaska. All right, folks, that is that's wraps it up. We do want to ask you, give us a call. Leave us some voicemail for the help I got. A Mac and a really loud extra music podcast. Anyway, yes. the, the phone number, area code 859-795-4067. Program it into your speed dial, 859-795-4067. Chris, you rock. People still have speed dial? Yeah, man. Speed dial or what? The con- put us in your contact list. There you go. Rock on, man. Chris, <laughs> take it easy. We'll talk to you next week, man. All right, brother. See ya. Bye.